Happy Mother's Day. See, I got a lot better response because I'm actually a mother. So when you said it, they couldn't say it back to you. (laughs) So good morning, good morning. I'll tell you what, I'm glad we don't have the rain this week that we had last week because I don't know if I would have been able to talk loud enough like Pastor Josh did last week. So, so glad to be here this morning. So very, very glad. And I'm going to put my glasses on because I can't see my message. And it bothers me that I can't see out there, but I'm kind of glad because then I can't see your face and I might not be as nervous. (laughs) How many of you heard uh, the message on our series on struggles? Pastor Josh preached a great one on anxiety and the number one fear of man was public speaking. So I am overcoming my struggles today. Isn't that great? (laughs) Amen. So I'm so glad to be here as the mother of this house. And, you know, I was thinking this week, how did I get to be the mother of this house? Um, Very, very quickly. That's how, (laughs) because I was thinking about this week, how our oldest son, Zachary James, Pastor Zach, PZ, whatever you want to call him, next month will be 30 years old. Can you believe that? I don't have a problem with my own age. I have a problem with my children's age. (laughs) Uh, I just can't believe I have almost a 30-year-old child, so been a mother almost that long. And then our fifth son on Wednesday turns 13. So happy birthday, Luke, a few days early. I have, for the last two and a half years, I've been without a teenager, and it has been wonderful, (laughs) but I'm stepping back into that role, but I'm telling you, it won't be the same with Luke, because I've learned a lot of the tricks of the trade over the last years. Luke gets kind of mad, because, you know, he's the fifth son, we do have a daughter that's 11, and he's like, I can't scare my, my, my mom, because she's already learned everything, you know how boys are, they like to tease, they like to pick, they like to hide behind a corner and go Rawr! and so Luke does that to me and I go oh hey Luke <laughs> it's like darn I can never scare you I've only done it once in 13 years <laughs> so that's goes with the territory with having all those boys so um so privileged and glad to be the mother of this house so it's Mother's Day and I don't know if you're like me but I always have mixed emotions on this day Um, I'm very excited. I'm very honored. I'm very privileged to be the mother of six children. But then I also think of you out there who've never been able to be a mother. And and it hurts me. And I think of what you go through. And I think of some of you out here, maybe this is a difficult day because you've lost your mother. And it reminds you, you're reminded of that mother that you don't have anymore on this earth. And I also think about mothers like Michelle Aranza today, who this is her first Mother's Day without her sweet Wesley. And what a difficult that day must be for her. And so we love Mother's Day. We celebrate our mothers. In fact, I think they sell the most cards on Mother's Day out of any other time in the year. Is that true? I've heard that before. And yet it's a difficult, difficult day for some too. And recently, as I've, you know, I'm constantly playing, praying for their Ransa families because they're my pastors, but also they've lost their son. It's been about eight months now. But the redemption in some of that is their son, Joseph, has really risen to his destiny through all of this. And he wrote a song recently. It's actually on iTunes, Spotify, him and Jake Smith, who's the worship leader over there. And it's called The Blood of the Lamb. And I know every single word now because my son Nathan has sung it around the house at least a million times. 
And he's actually going to sing it for us at the end of my message, which that's my Mother's Day present to me, because that's the greatest thing. My husband said, baby, what do you want for Mother's Day? I said, the thing a mother wants is for all of her children to love Jesus. That's all I want. That's all I want. But the first couple of lines of the song says, here I am broken again, held down by the weight of my sin, desperate for something more. What's the thing I'm looking for? A father, a lover, and a friend. And we can even insert there a mother. I think all of us have had a time and still have many times that place where we're desperate for something more. We know that there's something more and we're looking for something more. And what is it? And many times it's just a mother and a father. Desperate means to be extremely serious. It's the cry of our heart. We have many things that we're desperate for. I know that I had a pretty good childhood. I grew up in a two-parent home. My parents did divorce later in life. But as a kid, I remember up until about age eight, I thought we had a family like the Brady Bunch. Now, I didn't know at the time that the Brady Bunch's parents were divorced. That's how the Brady Bunch came about to be. Now, I actually saw the originals, by the way, not the reruns. So that tells my age. But that was my concept. But I remember somewhere after that time, being desperate for so something more, like Joseph said in the song. Because up until that time, you're kind of oblivious to your world. And around age seven, eight, or nine, you begin to think more like an adult. Scientists, theologians, preachers have said it's the age of accountability. You'll even see in the Catholic Church, that's when they make what is their first communion. And um, you begin to understand your world. And it was about that time that I started to feel so lonely and just desperate for attention. And I can even remember coming home from Mason Methodist Church. And I still remember the old pea green ugly carpet in her house. I guess that was in in the 60s. And going up to my mother. I was standing in our dining room. And I said, Mom, what's our purpose? Are we just born and then we live and die? Is that it? I don't remember what she said. I don't remember if she said anything. She probably didn't know what to say. I was a very inquisitive child. I still ask a lot of questions and drive my husband, Pastor Baba, crazy. <laughs> Why do you ask so many questions? I don't know. It's just in me. But it was the cry of my heart was asking, what more is there to this life? I counsel with a lot of different people, and I really enjoy leading small groups, whether it's Bible studies, and right now I'm leading some women's inner healing groups, uh, thanks to my good friend Jennifer Glasscock, who's here. I'm so glad to see her this morning from our Eunice campus, and um, I love that. I love that, but I hear some of the same things out of women over and over. And sometimes it's not with their words. It's just with their soul. It's the cry of their heart. And I hear these things over and over. They say, no one cares. I'm alone. God doesn't care. How can God love me? I'm broken. No one understands. I'm not lovable. And probably the number one thing I hear is I'm not good enough. So you see, we're all born desperate. Like Joseph said, desperate for something more. What's the thing I'm looking for? And the first thing that we're desperate for is to be loved. And not just, oh, I love you. 
You know, I was never told I was loved when I grew up. I knew my parents loved me, but there was not a lot of affection in my home. There was not a lot of attention. You were just kind of left to yourself. And that's what left that empty hole and that loneliness inside of me. I was desperate to be loved. I never forget the birth of my first child. Well, I won't forget the birth of any of my children if you've gone through that. But there's something about your first firstborn. You know what I'm talking about? Because you've never experienced that before. Everything is new. The whole pregnancy, the whole labor and delivery, it's scary. It's exciting. You just don't know what to expect. And of course, I don't know if some of you are like me when you have your first one, you're like, I'm going all natural. Did anybody do that? Okay. I know Lindsay went through with it. I went through with it (laughs) actually more than once. I don't know why I must be an idiot, but (laughs) I did. But, and so I wanted the whole natural experience. I I had that. I wanted the baby to be laid on my belly. All of that happened. And I remember after Zach, my firstborn was born, they laid him on him and those first screams, we've all heard it. Only Zach's didn't stop for 20 minutes. And I know it was 20 minutes because they had a clock right on the back wall in my labor and delivery room. I don't know why they put clocks there because five minutes is like five hours when you're in labor. And I watched the clock and I'm like, and I'm a new mom. I, you know, and I, I just begin to comfort him as he w- was wailing. And, and about 20 minutes later, he instantly stopped. But I realized it was not for no reason. He, during that 20 minutes, was slowly wiggling up my body. And when his head, his little cone head, (laughs) touched my neck and he laid his ear on my chest, he stopped. And I thought about that. You know what he was looking for? He was desperate. He was suddenly thrown into an environment that he didn't ask for, that was uncomfortable. He had been in a cocoon, in a womb where the temperature was perfect. He never was, had known hunger because he was hooked to his mama. He had never seen bright lights or heard loud noises. He had never felt pain. They give those baby shots, put drops in their eyes. All of this had put him in a place of uncom- being uncomfortable. But as soon as he found, he touched me. He touched my neck right here. And he laid his head on my chest and he began to hear my heartbeat. And he could smell my skin. And his head was close enough to hear my voice. He hadn't fully heard it. He had heard a muffled version of it in my womb. But now he really heard it. And it made me think. That's the same desperation that we have. How many times have we kicked and screamed until we've been able to lay our chest on God's heart and hear his heartbeat and smell him? You know, the Bible says there's a fragrance. There's a fragrance of God. And sometimes we are thrown into environments that are very uncomfortable. Or maybe you were thrown into a family go, I didn't really pick or want to be in this kind of family. I didn't want to be in this kind of environment. But if you will kick and scream and fight your way, you will find the lover of your soul. The one that knows how to love you best. And like I said, I had a pretty good childhood. But none of my, neither of my parents could give me what only God could give me. I think on Mother's Day, you know, some of us mothers go through this too, that we battle that I didn't have the perfect mom and she never will be what I need. But we also battle that I'm not the perfect mom. We all go through these battles that 
Maybe somehow I messed my kids up by what I've done or what I've said. But the truth is, none of us will ever be perfect. Just like the song said, the good, good father, you are perfect in all of your ways. I am not. My mother was not. My father is not. But God is perfect in all of his ways. So we're all desperate to be loved. We're all desperate to be loved. We're also desperate to feel like we fit in and we belong. To feel like we, we belong or fit in. I was the child, I come from four girls. My parents had four daughters, no sons. So imagine I get thrown all these boys and I'm like, what in the world do I do with these? (laughs) They aren't anything like girls. But I was the one that felt like I didn't fit in or I didn't belong. I have two older sisters and they're only 14 months apart. So they were like best buddies. And then my younger sister is almost five years younger than me. So I was the famed middle child. So I just kind of stayed quiet and out of everybody's way and really didn't feel like I fit in. But you know what? With God, he chose me. I fit in with him. In Isaiah 49, verses 13 through 16, it says, Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountain, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them and their sufferings. Yet Jerusalem says, or Tracy says, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. How many times have you ever felt like that? God's forgot about me or he's deserted me. But you know what God's word says? Never, 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 never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? I nursed all six of my children, and believe me, I did not forget about them. I'd even probably drove Pastor Baba crazy because I wouldn't want to leave them alone. And I think with my first child, the first time I ever left him alone, he was seven months old, seven whole months, and I never left him. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Now, some of you said, my mama did forget me. But the word of God says, even if that were possible, I would not forget you. Amen. See, I have written your name in the palm of my hand. Guess what? God has a tattoo. (laughs) God has a tattoo on his hand with your name on it. You know, a lot of people put these days, put tattoos on them to remind them maybe of someone they've lost or a significant event in their life is to remember. And you know what God is saying? There's no way I'm going to forget you. You're right here before me. You're right on my hand. I see it every minute, every second. I see your name before me. I will not forgive you. That's how, forget you. That's how much I love you. That's how much I love you. And then in Isaiah 41 verses nine and 10, he says, I've called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant for I have chosen you. And you know what? Even though I didn't feel like I fit in or belong, God said, I chose you. I chose you. You know, as I'm, I'm finishing up one of my inner healing classes, there's a lady in my class and she really struggled not belonging. In fact, she told me she didn't even have any friends in school, um, had a very difficult situation in her family dynamics. And just recently, God has shown her this scripture and made it alive. Not just written words, because you can read all these words. But if you don't lay your head on God's chest and you don't allow him to speak those words to you personally, it won't become real. And 
just a few weeks ago, she goes, I've realized God chose me. Even if nobody else chose me, God, the king of the universe chose me. And I've just seen her blossom and the freedom come in her life as she's It's become a reality to her that the father, the creator of the earth has chosen her. Even the beloved, uh, John, the beloved talks about it. John, the beloved, one of the disciples of Jesus, he wrote the gospel of John, but what's funny, he calls himself the beloved, you know, and we might think, well, that's kind of prideful, but you know what? He was so secure in his father's love for himself that he said, Hey, I'm his, I'm his favorite. I'm his beloved. He loves me. He's favored me. He's picked me. He's chosen me. He has chosen you. And the other thing that we're desperate for is to feel safe from harm, abuse, neglect, or danger. Now, I have a lot of people, they say, you know, I suffered harm. I suffered abuse. I did suffer neglect. I was in danger. I've been all those things. Where was God? You know where he was? Right next to you. You just didn't know him and you didn't hear him, but he was there. He was like, I was with sack going, shh, shh, shh. It's okay, baby. I've got you. He was there wiping every tear that you had. You just didn't see him. You know, a lot of people say, you know, I can't hear God. You need to start listening because every moment he's speaking, he's speaking endearing words to you. You might not have got those endearing words from your mama, but you're getting them from God because God is all father and he's all mother. He is the, he is a father that is a leader, provider, protector, but he's also nurturing, compassionate, caring, full of grace. He is everything that we need, everything that we need. David said in Psalm 69 verse 20. He says, their insults have broken my heart and I am in despair. And for many of you, this has happened over and over. And David said, if only one person would show some pity, if only one would turn and comfort me. And then I love when you go to Isaiah and it says, it's prophesying about Jesus. And Jesus even gave these, his first words that he gave to the leaders of the Jews when he began to speak when he was here on earth. And he says, he has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. So in all that pain that you felt, God has come to comfort you. I've been reading a book lately. It's a great book called The, the Cry of the Soul. And um, it talks about how we will always be uncomfortable in this world. How many of you heard that song? Um, it starts out, I believe it's by building 429. It says, sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside. Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing, but am I alive? I won't keep searching for answers that aren't here to find. And then the chorus goes on to say, all I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. You know why we're always agonizing here and we're uncomfortable here? Because we don't belong here. We were created for the Garden of Eden, but we messed that up. And now that that's messed up, the only other place we're going to feel comfortable is in heaven. We will always have suffering. We will always have tribulation because we are not home. And the older I get, the more and more I'm longing for home. And you will have a lot more peace when you realize you'll always be going through something. It's never going to go away, but he will be with you. He will be with you and he will comfort you. So to feel safe, 
We also are desperate to have significance and feel like we're good enough. So many times I hear from women, I just don't feel that I'm good enough. And I started thinking about that. Why do we feel like that? I really feel um, it's for this reason. And I'll tell you a story. And some of you heard the story. It's about my own father. And he's a great man. He's 81 and he's just a great guy. But he does not know the love of God at all. And he was abused as a child in different ways. And so he's, his view of God is that God is go- there to punish you. God is there to yell at you. God is there to curse you out if you do something wrong. So you're never good enough, right? And even a few years back, it's been quite a number of years now, he was down visiting with his wife. And Baba and I took him to eat at D.I.'s. He likes to eat crawfish. And we're all sitting at the table. We're there with all my children. And we're not talking about God. We're not talking about church, although I have shared the Lord with my dad many times. But we're just talking about incidental things, nothings. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he picks up a crawfish and he just kind of dangles it like this. And then you know how you take the head off to eat it? He pulls it apart and he goes, this is what God does to you when you sin. And he pulls it apart and then he takes it and he starts whacking it. He goes, bam, 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 bam. We're all just sitting there with our mouths hanging open like, what in the world? Where did that come from? But thank you for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Immediately, I picked up those two pieces. I said, no, Dad, that's not what God does to us when he sins. And I took those two pieces. I said, he picks us up. And he puts us back together. And so many of us have grown up with that feeling like we're not good enough. And the reason is because we think when we slip up, when we mess up, when we aren't perfect, God is there to take us out. But listen to what David said in Psalms 94. He cried out and he said, God, I am slipping. How many of you have ever slipped before in your life? I've slipped many, many times. But you know What the next phrase says, but your unfailing love, your unfailing love supported me. That's the God I was trying to tell my dad about. No, 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 no. That's not how it is. That's not how it is when I slip up and I'm slipping. How it is, is God's unfailing love is there to meet me and is there to support me. And when doubts fill my mind, your comfort gives me renewed hope and cheer. You know what? When my kids were little and they used to fall down on the sidewalk, you know, they'd scrape their knees. You remember when they were real little, they wouldn't get up. You know, they can walk, but they won't get up. They're just laying there like helpless and you have to go and pick it, pick them up yourself. You know why? Because they just want that comfort and that support. You know, and sometimes we're like that. And we just need to wait for God to come and to pick us up. And to kiss our bobos. That's what kids want. The older I've gotten, I've realized if I would just take time a little bit to listen to them and kiss their bobos, the crying is a lot, is done a lot quicker. It really is. Because... They know we can't instantly heal that bobo, but you know what they want? It's okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. They just want a little bit of comfort. The other thing that we're desperate for is to have a purpose and to use the talents and gifts God has given us. That's what the cry of my heart was to my mama is like, what is our purpose? Are we just here with no purpose? 
We have a purpose. We all have purpose. I don't care if you're eight years old or you're 80 years old. If you have not left this earth, this earth, you have a purpose. You know, I used to think, you know, once people were my age in your fifties and that's it, your life's over. I am just beginning my life. I'm going to tell you, (laughs) I am just beginning my life. I finally have the wisdom, the maturity to feel like I can use the gifts God's given me. Amen. Ephesians 4, 7 says he's given each of us a special gift. And I want you to underline each one of us. Because, you know, sometimes we read those scriptures and we think God has given some of us a special gift. Some of us a special talent. Each one of us have something to give. And sometimes, you know what? It's the most insignificant thing that I believe that God is going to give the greatest rewards to. It's the little things. You know, we look at the big things like a pastor Bob up here preaching, such and such doing this. It's not all that. It's the little things that God sees in secret. Each one of us have different talents and gifts. And then the last thing, which kind of goes along with the first thing, we're desperate for love. We're all desperate to be listened to and to be understood. Isaiah 40 says, comfort, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to them. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. I love that scripture. I love it. You know, we just want someone to listen to us sometimes. But you know what? When there's nobody there to listen to you, guess what? Our God is always there to listen. You just need to lay your head on his chest and hear his heartbeat. You just need to be close enough to hear the word saying, it's okay, my baby. You might not have gotten what you need from your, your earthly mother. You might not have gotten what you need from your earthly father. But you know what? I'm grateful that I didn't have the perfect mother who loved and comforted me like I wanted to. Because you know what? It drove me to find Jesus. If anything, it drove me to go, there must be something more. There must be something more. That emptiness drove me to Jesus. So I'm so thankful for that. And last, the last scripture I wanted to share with you is out of Psalms 131 verses 1 through 3. And it says, God, I'm not trying to rule the roost. Honestly, I have tried to rule the roost sometimes. (laughs) Oh, thank you, baby. (laughs) I don't want to be king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business or fantasized grandiose plans. And this is out of the message. I've kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated a quiet heart like a baby content in its mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. You know, that's the place that God wants all of us to be until we learn to get into God's arms and to go sit in his lap and to spend time with him and to spend time as word hearing what he really thinks about us, not what people or our parents have told us about us. We'll never be content. And then it says, wait, Israel, for God. Or you can say, wait, Tracy, for God. Wait with hope. Hope now and hope always. I have some great news for you. You've been adopted. (laughs) Your mother is not your real mother. And your father is not your real father. You have been adopted. 
into a new family. Isn't that awesome? Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And you know what I love it says? It gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. And he did it through Jesus Christ, through his blood. And Nathan's going to sing us a song about the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of the Lamb set 
life that He gave it to us all. So here I am, broken again, held down by the weight of my sin, desperate for something more. What's the thing I'm looking for, Father? A lover and a friend. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Stand to your feet. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray. Thank you, Jesus. We're just so thankful for his blood. But maybe you're in here and you say, you know what? I'm, I am that person. I'm desperate. I'm desperate for something more. And maybe you've never known the blood of Jesus that can wash all of your sins away. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, just if that's you, that's that person that say, I so desperately need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. I need a new mother. I need a new father. I need Father God to come. Just raise your hand and then put it down. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. It's just a sign that I want the blood of Jesus to wash over me. Anybody else that you've never, thank you, given your heart to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Lord, we just thank you for your blood. And maybe, but maybe you've given your heart to Jesus and you said, you know, I'm still seeking. There's still something in me that is longing for something more, but I've looked for it. I've looked for it in my mother and father. I've looked for it in my spouse. I've looked for it in my lover, my friend, and I can't find it. And I'm here to tell you, you'll only find it in Jesus. If that's you, that you're still desperate for something more, just raise your hand to God and say, God, I need you. I need you. His hands everywhere. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are our father. You are our mother. You are our lover. You are our friend. You are everything that we have ever longed for. God, I pray that you would help us to be like the, that baby that would scream and cry till we can hear your heartbeat, God, till we can touch you, till we can feel you, till we can hear your voice say, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. You belong to me. I'm yours. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for today, God, and the great and mighty things that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen.